Welcome to the All In Recruitment Podcast by Manatao, where we explore best practices, learnings and trends with leaders in the recruitment space. If you like our content, as usual, please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and Spotify to stay tuned for our weekly episodes. My name is Lydia and joining us today is Senior Linabo, Head of People and Organization at Lyft Relations in Denmark. Hello, Senior. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. Hello, Lydia. So, Senior, you've spent your career of nearly two decades now focusing on recruitment and HR. And in recent years, your role has been that of a people leader where you initiate culture and organizational changes. Walk us through your journey in this field and some of the observations you've made over the past 10 years in HR. Mm -hmm. I started out as a recruiter, as many of us. Um, And I think the mission for me was always to kind of revamp, retweak the way that that HR was back 20 years. It was more like an admin um, department in the organizations. And for the last 10 years, there's been a very clear generation shift in how to approach the value that we contribute with. Now it's even called people and culture, which I think is a lot closer to the outcome that we're actually affecting. Um, And I've always been a firm believer in uh, what you permit, you promote, which uh, is really about um, walking the talk, I think is very important for an organization, for people and culture, and in particularly people managers. And then the mission is also now, and that's what we see more and more of. And I think the podcast that Manatel is also doing is actually to put people and culture on the map um, and embed us in the organization as a very vital partner in how to drive success. Absolutely. You can't separate the two. I mean, recruitment brings the people in. And as head of people, you are looking at uh, a a mix of culture and a mix of uh, dynamic behaviors and personalities contributing to making a business a success. So it's great that you're in the organizational culture space, especially because of the the macroeconomic environment that we're in. And developing and cultivating organizational culture is certainly an evolving challenge. So how would you define culture in organizations today, especially after the pandemic and now during an economic pinch or a recession? Yeah. So um, I believe that culture is liquid, meaning it's liquid in terms of the people you have in the organization, in the market, the different scenarios. And I think that's very important to remember that it's not something you can control. Um, And culture will always be determined by the people and the behavior of people. And I think where a lot of companies might struggle is that they want to control culture and it's just as futile as controlling people. It's it's simply not happening. What, what do you um, mean by controlling culture? So controlling culture, say, this is our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want people who looks like this, who has this background, who's been pedigreed from these kind of companies or consultancies. That is controlling culture. And you can do that as long as you understand that if you keep putting the same ingredients into the same pot, the pot will never change. Um, But people luckily do change. So even though you might be hiring for the same two or three profiles all around, their lives might take another direction, which will impact their own personal values which they will bring to work, which will impact their behavior at work. And therefore, it's impossible to control culture 
And I think there's a reason for that. Um, what you can look at in terms of alignment, alignment is very, very important, mm -hmm. is that you can look at value alignment. So every company, most companies would say, we have these values, sustainability, trust, whatever. Uh, and to make sure that there's a value alignment, that the people you get on board is aligned with the values because that creates trust. And it also creates trust to really disagree, which is important. Mm -hmm. And in that way, it becomes secondary to really focus too much on the culture as long as you align on the values. And I think going after the pandemic, going through the recession now, it is so important to have value alignment because a lot mm -hmm. of people will experience, if they're not already, to have different hats, to, you know, uh, have to do a bit more work because we've had to let some people go, for yeah. example. And you can do that if you understand the mission and we are aligned on the values and we stand on this together. And today, the talent space is incredibly competitive and we often see the push to hire for skill, first and foremost, especially when it comes to technical roles, then culture fit tends to sometimes take a backseat in this instance. What should recruiters be equipped with when they're trying to assess the culture fit for, of candidates? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to start by saying that I don't believe in culture fit, a bit aligned to what we just spoke about, about controlling culture. I believe in cultural enrichment. Mm. Uh, and again, you need to make sure that you have the value alignment. So it really... In order to do successful recruiting in TA, it really means that you need to go back to your leader and the leadership of the company and say, if these are our values, what behavior do we want to see from the values? The behavior you can analyze, the behavior you can drive data on, and that's important to go and look for people who are craft fit and who are cultural enriching to the organization. But you need to understand and you need to have documented the behavior that the culture is going to be enriching. So it's it's interesting, cultural enrichment or culture add yes. in some instances yes. where we hear that term around. But how do you measure that? How do you analyze and how do you present uh, the findings from behavioral analysis? Of course, you would have to make an analysis of the current organization and then uh, make a couple of sentences on each value, what behavior is it that we see out there. Mm -hmm. And then you actually also need to have a decision step saying, if these are values, this is the behavior that we see our values is motivating. Hmm. Is this the behavior that we want? I mean, you need to have consensus. You might need to backtrack a little bit, change your value and 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 get another behavior if you think it's not fruitful. Um, so you need to do the internal mapping first hmm. and then you can actually do the external. In, in going back to your experience in organizational culture, we're seeing an economic pension. We, we've seen mass layoffs recently in large corporations all over the place. So what yeah. might be some ways for HR leaders to pivot an organization's people strategy within this context? It's important that an organization is always very clear on what are the terms, because I don't see an organization, a company as family. It's more like we're friends. 
And there are terms to every relationship. So what are the terms? What is it that we need to provide? What product is it that we want to create and enrich the world and our, our customers with? Um, so look at the product strategy. See it like an onion. In the middle of the onion is the product strategy. This is our primary product. This is the product that we need to keep improving. This is the product that we need to keep offering on the other side of recession and any kind of change in the market. What is the craft that needs to be um, that needs to be evolving around this product? And then what kind of behavior is it that we need for this craft to be enriching? Because we all know the Sega about hiring someone who's brilliant at the craft, but on the cultural and personal level, it just didn't work out, which is really painful for companies. So we all know that you need to consider these three layers. So mm. understanding the product strategy, the market fit, understanding the craft that needs to deliver this product, and then understanding which kind of behavior is enriching. And maybe also we talk a lot about that it's even just as important to define what's the opposite behavior mm. that's not enriching. So if an organization that is very early stage, so for instance, a startup, you know, they are um, scaling fast and HR mm -hmm. leaders are probably already thinking about these things. How do you make sure that, you know, towards the end or uh, further into the recruitment uh, cycle, you're, you're actually getting people who would enrich? How would you suggest they think or strategize around this? As a startup, as a fast-growing company, you should have a people and culture champion in the board. Someone like mm. me talking that language, taking care of the organization with those perspectives. Um, you could also consult someone. So I think the issue starts somewhere else. The issue starts that people and culture perspectives, which is really the glue, making sure that we have the right people with the right crafts at the right time, that they're often coming in too late. So the role becomes that we need to tidy up before we can actually move forward. Mm -hmm. So I would say to any kind of startup, um, get someone with these competencies in at the very early stage and make sure you have someone to advise you very specifically of what you need to be mindful of and take action on when you build your company. So let's discuss a little bit more about uh, trends around HR technology. So there have been plenty of surveys out there. And this, this one survey from PwC stood out saying that more than half of the companies they've surveyed use HR tech naturally to find, attract, and retain top talent. So what would you say would be the three main HR technology trends uh, for next year or even in the, near, in the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think that any kind of HR tech trends technology now and in the future would have uh, a very clear DNI um, agenda. Mm. So we need to infuse DNI, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, belonging uh, into our organizational processes like anonymous hiring is a thing. So you only look at craft and the way that they describe themselves. It needs to be very data-driven because we all have biases. So that's also very important. No matter how well we're trained, it will put a veil 
in our decisions, and people tend to choose something that we recognize and something which is new, and our brain registers that as dangerous, something that's new, it's unknown. So to have the HR tech trends help us in terms of data driven, but I think anything within the DAI space combined with data driven functionalities is is big and is going to be very much bigger. So how should recruiters and, and HR leaders prepare to embrace these trends? Yeah, and this is where it gets very personal because one thing is to use a tool, but if you haven't taken the training yourself, someone is going to find out and it's going to sound hollow. So what I think is very important is that everyone, not only people and culture leaders and TAs, but everyone in the company, they take some level of DEI training, which is really about establishing awareness about what is DEI and what is your own personal biases that might actually make you speak, act, make decisions in a way which is not inclusive without you even knowing it, without you even having that intent. So that's one thing, education, awareness, and personal. It needs to be up personal and close. And in that way, you're also giving back to the employees who's actually taking part of that because it will be learnings that anyone can take with them wherever they go. That's one thing. As a company, as a leadership, as a board, put your money where your mouth is. A lot of people are talking about DNI, inclusiveness, anti-racial. Um, you know, when there's Pride Month around the world, we all see the flags. And my question is, uh, is always, are they putting the money where their mouth is? A lot of companies are not. And it's uh, it's positioning them as an employer even worse. And then the last thing is, as an organization, also as a, as a person and definitely as leaders, be prepared to be uncomfortable to develop. Everyone wants to develop and grow. And growing and develop is in its core to step on into unknown territory and put yourself out there to fail and succeed by learning. And that is uncomfortable. A lot of people are not willing to be uncomfortable to grow, but everyone wants to grow. In terms of technology, what kind of technology, specifically around automation specifically for HR and also recruitment, which can get very hectic, uh, especially when you're doing uh, recruitment uh, mass recruitment, what kind of technology uh, would HR leaders and recruiters need in order to execute a successful recruitment strategy? Mm -hmm. I think so. The, to me, I think I need to backtrack a little bit on that question because there is a lot of apps and platforms, mm -hmm. SaaS platforms, and they're all brilliant. But what I see when it's not successful is that the success criteria on a successful recruitment strategy is again not linked to the product strategy. So what is the product strategy and how do we build the organization around that? And we need to understand um, that needs to be linked. And then as you are executing the recruitment strategy, you need to analyze the, the execution of the strategy, both in terms of what was before the strategy, what's work in progress, and the post-analysis ana of the strategy and the execution to understand the impact 
of the strategy. And the impact should always be measured in the organization uh, in terms of outcome, performance, um, product market fit. And then you need to understand what to keep in terms of the strategy, what to stop doing that wasn't working. And again, it goes back to understanding the criteria before bringing any kind of platform or tech on board and always ensuring that there's alignment. Um, that's very important. I think there's a forest of, of platforms out there. So again, as I mentioned, anything within the DNI space, anything that's data-driven to give us unbiased suggestions on mm. are we moving in the desired direction or not. In speaking of DNI, what are some actionable steps uh, that leaders and hiring managers can take so that they ensure there is uh, diversity and inclusion and it is at play in the workplace? Mm -hmm. It's about understanding how to speak to minority groups. And minority groups can be even gender, it can be race, it can be educational background. And that goes with understanding your people. Who are the people that you have employed? That's both internally, but also in terms of the market, who are the people that you want to include in your communication? So be aware of your audience, really, in short. One thing that we often see is that when we have growth talks, when we have merit appraisals and we have um, promotions, there's sometimes a very significant talk about how it's biased and how it's linked to the people that knows the managers and the ones promoting the best. Make sure that your growth talks are as data-based as possible, um, which there's also great tools for because Often, again, as I mentioned before, we will choose people to promote whom we see ourselves the most in, which is very often not the best for the company or the product or the market because diverse perspectives is really enriching and can create a very, very unique product. So um, it's very important to be able to hold a variation of backgrounds and talents to make sure that there's inclusive perspectives. And that, again, takes very mature leaders. So again, it calls to the maturity level, I would say, of the leader as a person, because it's a big job to hold um, very various perspectives uh, in a company. And from culture, it often moves into the realm of an employer brand. And that's how you build your employer brand. That's what you project about the mm -hmm. company that anyone would want to join. So what, in your opinion, might be the role of employer branding to attract and keep diverse candidates? Again, it's about knowing your audience. And I think, again, also link it to the, link it to the product strategy, the company strategy, the market strategy. It's okay to say, the range of people that we can hire is this. This is the range of people we want because of our strategy. We believe that our strategy will be most successful with this range of people. Be honest about it. Communicate it out. Because when you're very honest and very transparent about this is what we're looking for, if it gives you 70% of what you want, but you want to reach 100, then you need to say, okay, 30% of that strategy actually didn't give us what we want. What is it that we need to change? So know your audience and not everyone needs to be your audience, but be very clear on that. And also again, remember the 
the more narrow that you make your window, the less different perspectives you'll have. You have vast experience in the talent space, not just in recruitment, but also in you know the whole view of, of watching organizational changes take place right in front of you. So what advice would you give someone who's starting out in this space, maybe in recruitment, possibly in talent acquisition and even in, in organizational culture? As a young TA, I would say that TA is many things. Um, you can go in many directions. It's a great place to start your career in people and culture. What I would look for if I were to start all over, which I was lucky to have, is to identify and find people or a team that you are keen to learn from and work very closely with. Find people whom you can see yourself getting candid, radical, clear feedback from without being um, upset, without feeling that you're not good enough, but someone whom you really respect. And again, that you have value aligned with. And then um, make your own expectations clear. Even though you're young or just coming out into the TA space, you can also be very experienced and new in the TA space. Make your own expectations clear because then it's much easier for you and your team members and your employer to kind of adjust down the line and say, if you say, my expectation is that I will be working on these kind of projects and tasks and stuff, and then you can discuss that. It's much easier to change directions and changes do happen, but it's much easier to change directions and it's much easier to feel successful if you are courageous enough to also communicate your expectations. Senior, thank you so much for your insights, your time, and, and the valuable uh, uh, advice that you've just given to young people starting out. It is indeed a very important space. Lots of things are converging right now, and it's a very important time as well. So I'm sure the yes. audience who's watching us and who's also listening in would like to find out where they can connect with you, perhaps. So where can they find you? I'm very often on LinkedIn, and I answer any kind of messaging or request back. I'm happy to assist and support and also any feedback or enriching conversations mm. back my way. Um, I'm very interested in. And we have been in conversation with senior Lina Bo, head of people and organization at Lyft Relations in Denmark. If you like our content, please subscribe to our channels. Stay tuned for more episodes every week from All In Recruitment. Thank you. Thank you.